Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're going to be talking about my number one book pick last year, Woke Inc., Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam by Vivek Ramaswamy. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Good, Ron. I, I have never heard you read through the introduction so quickly. You, I think you want to get get down to it. Well, there's so much in this book, but uh, and it's really hard to do it justice. I just want to say first that, folks, you need to read this book. It It is truly one of the best books I've read in a long time because it's one of those books that's just chock full of great ideas. Agree with them or disagree with them. Mm -hmm. he, he lays out, a, I think, a... a you know, very logical, cogent case for each one and takes you through it. This guy's no dummies. Harvard educated. He's got a degree in molecular biology. He went to Yale Law School. He was a hedge fund partner. He started his own company. He postponed his honeymoon, Ed, <laughs> to uh, ring the bell on Wall Street when his company went public. Um, very, very articulate guy. You can catch all sorts of video on of him on YouTube. He's been all over TV since this book came out, but I just found this book to be incredibly compelling and I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around it. Yeah, I am as well and incorporate some of the ideas, but before we get started and I have, I have two disclosures that I want to make, Ron, two. Sure. First, and that this was a, a book that I read in scare quotes, I have to put it in scare quotes because I didn't read it. It's, it's one of the few ones that I've listened to uh, as, a, as an audio book. And this was, I think last summer, and I was just, uh, it, it just came over, all right, let me give this audiobook thing a try. I will never do that again, by the way, because I went to prepare for the show and there's no notes. I was and, like, and this, is no <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. I was going to ask you about that because you're not, you're not an audio guy or no. an audio book guy. No, no, I've listened really to podcasts been. all the time, yeah, but this, yeah. this is, the, I think this may be, well, this, this, I can count on, on one hand, the number of books that I've listened to. Mm-hmm and not read. And this was one of them. I think it was a mistake. I like, like I said, I won't be doing that again, because especially for something that we might at some point do on the show. Uh, so I am, I am relying on, on my audio memory, which may be flawed, although you are kind enough to send over your notes to me, which is very helpful in, in prepping for today. But the second thing that I want to disclose is that because of the nature of this subject and it, that it, and you know, we debated whether or not to do this for quite some time before, before we decided to, to to, to jump on this this topic is make a disclosure that the opinions that I will give during this show are mine and mine alone. They have nothing to do with my employer in any way. And kudos to them for giving me the freedom to participate in a radio show like this. I, I don't think that I would necessarily anything too controversial outside the, the line, but because of the nature of this almost third rail of some of this topic, I just wanted to get that out. Yeah, right. the, the, my, these views are mine. That's it. Right. Period. End of right. story. 
I think it's true with everything you say, but uh, you know, it is. And I, you know, I don't think there's a reason for me to do it most on most shows. In fact, I don't know if I've ever done it previously. So. Awesome. Well, and we are still trying to get Vivek on the show. I have reached out to him in many different platforms and just haven't been successful yet, but I'm not going to stop trying because I think he'd be a wonderful guest. Agreed. So, Ed, I, you know, the big picture here with all of this woke, you know, he describes it wokeism as crony capitalism 2.0. Right. And here's how it works. Big business uses progressive friendly values to deflect attention from its own monolithic pursuit of profit and power. There's a lot of hypocrisy here. Mm-hmm. He says crony capitalism 1.0 was pretty straightforward. They gave campaign contributions to legislatures in return for favorable treatment, right? In law or whatever, tax law. Uh, well, um, but but let me let me quibble with that in this that even that 1.0 in a sense because it, it, are they giving contributions to legislators in, fa- in in for favorable legislative treatment or were these legislators in favor of this legislation and these companies happened to 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 approve of what they what they did well so, that's true but yeah the cause and effect on that is we and we've talked about this before very like weak. the nra and the you know the, even the unions that mm-hmm. you know you know they they contribute to these people because these people believe what they believe right Not, it's a, yeah 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 but yeah but but there, there's no doubt that there's crony i mean otherwise, oh yes there's you, definitely you, crony capitalism we, i'm not not the, no the, no denial of that <laughs> favorable tax laws you know favorable mm-hmm. copyright extensions the disney thing and all of that mm-hmm. um but and, and it's this book is so chock full of information that i i kind of broke it out to some major themes and one of them that I think we should spend some time talking about is stakeholder versus shareholder theory. And, you know, to me, this, this, we've talked about this a lot. How Mm -hmm. do you, how do you reconcile the conflicts in these different stakeholder interests, right? Workers want a higher wage. Vendors want a higher price for their products and services that, that they sell to the corporation. Consumers want a lower price, you know, how, how do you reconcile all this? How do you You need to make a profit things? in order to continue to exist? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, the price system is, is what handles all of this. And w- one of the things uh, um, I really think he, you know, the term wokeism, which I understand, I get, uh, but I, I really think this is nothing but a disguised form of corporatism. This is really corporatism because corporatism, it, no matter what manifestation, Mussolini's Italy, Hitler's Germany. It, it's about how society should be organized. In other words, it's very political. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is. Ultimately, is a political conversation. I think so. And, and the, the problem with having it inside corporations is they're not electable. They're not accountable. They're not certainly not voted in by the people, right? And yet they hold uh, un- un- unbalanced power because they have a platform that's pretty big. And, and, and we're going to talk more about this because that is one of the trade-offs made for limited liability. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that's a really... Um, it's an interesting know, point. But again, I want to push back a little bit on, on this to say, hey, listen, you, but there, there's no corporation that ever put a gun to my head. Like I didn't have, right? I I don't I don't have to buy McDonald's. <laughs> Absolutely, but when you see what's happening with like BlackRock and and some of these other you know 
asset holders that have a lot of sway over corporations, they can dictate what they're doing. That's why we're getting into these ESG fights and some of this wokeism battle, you know, about laws and different things, because there, there is sway there. And, you know, these CEOs jump on political causes. Yeah. And, and, and which is unfortunate because we, we've talked about this. I don't want red apps and blue apps. I don't want I don't you know, you know, we don't we don't we don't need red hamburgers and blue blue hamburgers. What Wendy's is good at making hamburgers. Go make burgers. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is what he says. He said, I love to hear Larry Fink's favorite stock picks. But as a citizen, I don't particularly care for his views on racial justice or environmentalism. CEOs are no better suited to make these decisions than the average politician is to say, make the R&D decisions of a pharma company. I mean, who elected these people? You know, <laughs> I, uh, uh, the guy who wrote the book Net Positive, Paul Pullman, just mm -hmm. came out with an article. And, you know, he's, he's saying, well, you know, democracy doesn't work. We have all these problems, environmentalism, which he, he this is a this is the meteorite heading for the earth. I mm -hmm. mean, he's one of those guys. And inequality and, and racism and all this other stuff. And, it, and, and he's like, and, and, and I can't believe we're getting criticism from certain members of Congress. It's like, you stepped into the political arena. You're mm -hmm. going to get criticism. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not, you're, these guys think they're immune from that? That's what's crazy to me. Yes. And th the other thing I th think, and I think he starts the, the book with the story about the, the, uh, the, the, the statue of the girl. Um, was yes. it Fearless Girl? The Fearless Girl. And the controversy surrounding that, which I didn't realize because I, you know, that had come in and gone out of, of my consciousness a way back with 2017, whenever that happened. And what you know, I, I did not realize that effectively it was really just a campaign that that uh, <laughs> by this company oh, yeah. that had had another that was issuing bonds uh, that one of them with ticker symbol was she S.H.E. And, and on the plaque that they put uh, on this statue, the she was all in caps. Right. Which was to a tie in. And this company also had some problems with some Me Too and executives. And it was oh, and pay, a pay, gender pay. A gender issue. pay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then wasn't there also issues with the, 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 the woman who made the statue, Fearless Girl? Yes. You know, she wanted to sell she wanted to sell off uh, copies of it. I guess, you know, when you make a statue, you, you, you make several copies of it as you're, you're getting to, the, especially a cast statue like this was. You, and she tried to sell it and they said, no, we own the image. They sued her. <laughs> I know it's it's great. It's great. Uh, you know he had he got in. He talks about this email exchange he had with Ken Frazier, the former CEO of Merck. And we've talked about George Merck before, the founder of Merck, mm -hmm, who wrote mm -hmm. that medicine is for the people, not for the profits. And in this email exchange, Ken Frazier, the former CEO, asks him. He says. What, if you reject stakeholder capitalism, does that mean you're putting profits ahead of patients? And Vivek comes back and says, no. He says, in the long run, the only way for a pharmaceutical company to be successful is by serving patients first. But putting patients first also means putting them ahead of fashionable social causes. And this is my problem with this stuff, Ed. Any distraction from their core mission of whatever it is they're producing or making or services they're offering is is completely useless mm -hmm. 
because there's a knowledge problem. They don't know how to save the world. They don't know how to end racism. They don't know what to do about the climate. They don't know how to save the whales. They don't mm -hmm. know any of this stuff. And, and I just don't buy it. It, it. A corporation is hard enough in, in the marketplace of competition and, and constant innovation and customer fickleness and subjective value. They, they, they just can't handle all these other problems. No, they, and it, this is not to say that any of the individuals within the corporation can't d donate to wherever they want. <laughs> Including the CEO. Right, absolutely. On their own dime, on their own time. That's right. I have, no, I have no problem with any of that, but that's not what we're talking about with this. They yeah. are doing it as spokesmen of their corporations, and that's the problem. Well, and and the problem is is that some of it is just marketing. Not not all of it. I think that there's a lot of people who have, have genuine beliefs and they genuinely think that they're trying to do the right thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, think that there's malice everywhere you see any of this stuff. But right, but I, but I do have a problem because it, again, because it mixes up cause and effect. The, the 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 people who who I think are making this belief say, well, the purpose of corporation is to make money. No, that's the effect. And you know we've had this conversation over and over again. But once you think that the purpose of a, of a company is to make a profit, the purpose, then you've got it wrong. Right. That's that is the result, not the cause. The cause is is something on the customer side. It's some creation of value. It's right. not profit. But that's that's exactly what the stakeholder people are saying against the shareholder mm -hmm. people. Is you think the purpose of a corporation? is to make a profit and that is not what Melton Friedman said and it's no. not what we believe as no. free marketers nobody believes that is yeah serious economist on the free market anyway a lot going on here Ed we'll have to take a break uh, we're up against it so folks I'd like to remind you if you want to get a hold of me or Ed send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com check us out at the soul of enterprise.com where we have full show notes and previews of upcoming shows and also check out our new sponsor, File. That's F-Y-L-E. They do expense reporting in the cloud. And you can check them out at F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voice or search for us at keyword Voice America. Ron, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome. It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports. Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh, oh my, my fraud. fraud. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the book Woke Inc., which was my number one pick for last year. And Ed, we've been talking about stakeholder versus shareholder, uh, you know, theories. And one of the things he points out is that foreign dictators use moral statutes, the moral stature of corporations to whitewash their own oppression. Mm -hmm. So you see this in China, whatever, you know, Disney, NBA, whatever. He said the old shareholder holder model when dictators you know when corporations dealt with dictators and made a buck they still did that but he said but they wouldn't come out of it smelling like a rose mm -hmm. he said today they make money with these dictators abroad but then they're saving the world back home so they're whitewashing you know what they're doing abroad mm -hmm. and i think that's a really really good point so he's woke he's washing a, woke washing <laughs> yes he's uh just like greenwashing with the mm -hmm. esg standards he's a big believer in separation of corporation and state and i think he he makes some really compelling arguments but here's a topic that i don't think we've ever talked about this um limited liability mm -hmm. he said this is nothing short of a man-made superpower he said the legal invention that was created in the 18th century, he said these people weren't fools who, who you know, uh, invented mm -hmm. limited liability. He said they knew that by giving corporations this, this because look, it, it, it defies the basic principle in which ordinary people live, mm -hmm. namely that we bear the consequences of our, our actions. actions right. right? So limited liability is, you know, this, this right granted by the state that you know allows legal mandate to maximize shareholder value that that was the trade-off in other words we're going to give you this limited liability and in return you're going to mm -hmm. stay in your lane and your lane is to maximize the shareholders your owners the value of of the corporation that they own that's your lane stay in it that doesn't mm -hmm. include politics it doesn't include social issues it doesn't include all this other stuff and and he he charges melton friedman he said he missed this point completely now to be fair i think to friedman 
if and I can't speak for him, but I think he would say he thought competition would be a check on their power. Mm -hmm. But that's only in the financial realm, Ed. It doesn't work with this wokeism stuff because some of these corporations get together and, and, and work together on some of these woke issues, mm -hmm. right? That have nothing to do with Coke and Pepsi battling it out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. They're lobbying government or whatever. And he thinks that's a big problem because he says, if you look at companies like BlackRock and these, some of these other big um, funds, uh, he, they're using the corporate shield to implement their social responsibility you know, and he says, if you have aggrieved consumers or employees or other stakeholders, they shouldn't be limited to suing the corporations that BlackRock invests in. Mm -hmm. They should be able to go after BlackRock directly. Mm -hmm. BlackRock shouldn't have limited liability because it's pursuing these other things. And I think that's a really interesting point. Because the trade-off was that it would, would share, well, they would only maximize profitability, but couldn't, couldn't one argue? Just again, playing devil's advocate on this, couldn't one argue that by embracing these causes, that they are maximizing shareholder value because they're creating new more more and, and new customers for their business? Well, yes, and this is this gets into the whole business judgment rule, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about. But what you just said actually corresponds to an editorial that Al Gore wrote for the Wall Street Journal in 2020, where he argued that there's voluminous research that has shown conclusively, now get this, that businesses that are properly integrating ESG factors into mm -hmm. their plans are typically more successful and profitable, which means investors like BlackRock Mm -hmm. that fail to take that into account or risk violating their fiduciary duty to their clients to what? To maximize their returns. Right. But that properly instituting or implementing ESG leaves a lot of wiggle room, right? Well, it's a, ju it's these, a judgment call. It's clearly a judgment it, it, call. Yeah, <laughs> these corporations fall up short and all Gore has to say is, well, they didn't imp implement the ESG properly. Well, and and that which is also tied to the point about that 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 uh, I think we, we talked about earlier, and maybe was made was made when we had um, I forget that the the guest on that. Hey, if if you have these con conf conflicting things, ESG for et cetera, managers can then point and say, well, the reason why we came up short of our targets is because we had to change the ink that we used on our paper because it was destroying the environment. So therefore that uh, increased our costs and that's why we didn't get our profit targets, right? So the, the, what, what it would allow management managers inside the organization to do is is say, well, since, since our priority wasn't only maximizing shareholder value, we had to do these other things. I had to keep these in balance. That's why we didn't meet your number. You can't get rid of me because I did get, I did achieve the ESG goals that we had. Right. Right. Well, that's the problem with ESG. It's mm -hmm. so subjective. The even, even each one of those letters, E, S, and G have their own built-in conflicts and tensions and trade-offs mm -hmm. with one another. Right. Um, but another thing that is kind of, that dovetails into this is the business judgment rule. And he thinks if you, if we want to end the tyranny of the corporate managerial class, we need to limit the scope of the business judgment rule. So people are asking, what's the business judgment rule? Mm -hmm. He says it's designed to protect CEOs and corporate directors from being sued for bad business decisions they make. 
and a court, and there's lots of court precedent on this. It will uphold the decisions of a director as long as they are made in good faith, with care that a reasonably prudent person would use, and with the reasonable belief that the director is acting in the best interest of the corporation. So it, it's supposed to apply to business decisions, mm-hmm. not social decisions. And the only way you can pierce the business judgment rule, and I mean you know, like a plaintiff suing a director mm-hmm. or a CEO or some C-suite exec, is if you can prove that the director had a conflict of interest when making a decision. Today, we define those conflicts of interest almost exclusively in financial terms. Mm-hmm. But he gives a few examples of other conflicts you could have. See, so he says, let's say you have a progressive ex-politician who wants to get appointed secretary of HHS and he's about to decide how to price the drug. Is that a conflict of interest? <laughs> See, that kind of stuff is really interesting because he points out, he said, look, most conflicts of interest are not financial. Humans have lots of motivations for doing things, power, prestige, social, uh, you know, uh, praise and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he points out, and again, this guy's got a Yale Law School degree, so he's no he's no idiot in this area. Mm-hmm. This is really well documented and very well footnoted. He said, legal scholars almost universally agree the only reason the business judgment rule is for protecting shareholder value, that's why it's called the business judgment rule, not the social judgment rule. And he said, and if you, if you really applied this and you limited its scope, then companies, C-suite executives would think twice before writing a check to BLM or exhorting customers to support Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And, and of course, that's a shot at Dave Barrett, mm-hmm. who he had an email exchange with that he talks about in this book about his email telling people not to vote for Trump because mm-hmm. democracy is in peril. Remember that? We talked about right. that on the show. I think this is a hell of a point. Mm-hmm. And he said, we don't need any more regulation or rule of law to do this. We just need the courts need to enforce it. He puts a lot of, of these ideas on the court because he says the one institution that still functions normally <laughs> in a way. Yeah. The, again, the big challenge is, is that could, couldn't you just go back and say that, that this, that it, it is a business judgment again, because it, it was increasing the number of customers that I got. I mean, it, I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying that at a certain point, there's, uh, there's always a, a, a bit of an out on some of this stuff. Oh, oh, for sure. I'm not saying this would be easy, but that's what courts of law are for: discovery, process, Disco- and facts, right. and and all of that. And I think some of these things that corporations do, such as you know, uh, make the pitchers mound the BLM logo or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me the business cause for that. This that's political. You know, it's kind of like pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a ch- challenging issue. I mean, uh, because I, I think what what about things like that consumers can do band together and 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 boycott and all that stuff? Is that is that OK? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Consumers do that anyway with every dollar they spend. Right. They mm-hmm. vote one over the other. Um but it's this it's this it's this wokeism in the corporations that is really what's troubling because they're taking on these issues that they're not elected to take on 
Well, they're, they're not selected they're not, to take on. Yeah, yeah. They're not elected politicians. So mm-hmm. it cracks me up when this Paul Pullman guy is complaining about politicians that are criticizing him. It's like, listen, buddy, this is their arena. They got there the old-fashioned way. They went out and got votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got yeah. hired by a board of director. It ain't quite the same thing. And that does not empower you to step in the political arena. As the representative of that company, you can go out on your own time, do whatever you want. Right. But when you're speaking for Unilever, shut the hell up and make better life, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You had one job. All right. Well, (laughs) up against our break, want to remind you, you can contact Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, we do have our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can sign up for our show commercial free, as well as our bonus episodes. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Ron, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome. It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports. Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise we are talking vivek ramswamy's book woke inc was ron's number one book of last year but wanted to also remind you that in addition to our patreon channel or that patreon channel i should say is sponsored by 90 minds 90minds.com need a mind get one at 90 minds ron uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about the 
ESG situation. Um, we, we've had uh, some guests on the show uh, talk about this, Kimberly Josephson, um, and I think she did a great job. We, we alluded to the fact that that uh, uh, Staley, um, we, when he came on and talked about the Beatles, that he's an expert in ESG, and we're going to have the two of them debate which a debate in scare quotes, because we think that they probably are going to agree more than disagree on this stuff, because his his course down at Florida State is about social justice companies, right? Social, social, entrepreneur, social, entrepreneur, social entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. Yeah. And that's the, the one of the challenges I see here is you could just say that social entrepreneurship, ESG, they're just different flavors. They're just slightly different forms of the same thing. Is there a problem with founding a corporation that 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 says, "Hey, for example, like Whole Foods has, we yeah. are going to invest one of our one percent of our profits in some kind of uh, of of charitable giving," and that's in their founding documents. You know, when you're investing, that's what they're doing. So, where, where is there a line? Should there be a line? It this gets convoluted here. It's not a simple question. It does, but I think when you, I mean, obviously there's B corporations today. You can yep. you can file and be a B corp, and then that gives you some more freedom to do other things rather than just maximize shareholder value. But if you're a regular, and and I think maybe that's what Unilever was. I think they were a B corp. I'd have to look, but um, mm-hmm. um, but if you're a regular corporation uh, and you have that limited liability, then you know you're fiduciary responsibility is to maximize shareholder value. Notice that that doesn't mean maximize, um, I mean, I'm sorry, maximize profits. It doesn't mean maximize shareholder value per se. That wasn't the title of Melton Friedman's paper. Mm -hmm. It was maximizing profit. Right. So that's the subtle difference, right? That it's- That's one of them. Yeah. 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 Um, But on this ESG thing, Ed, and we've talked a lot about this, but in, in 2015, Dow Jones Sustainability Index named Volkswagen the most sustainable automobile <laughs> company in the world. Hmm. It earned a near-perfect score with full marks for codes of conduct, compliance, and anti-corruption, as well as innovation management and climate change strategy. Now, if that doesn't show you that these standards are completely ridiculous and very political, I don't know what does. And they're still there, and and he cites all sorts of studies from various banks saying these ESG companies and ESG funds are not having above market returns. They underperform the market. They underperform the S and P five hundred. Um, so it's really interesting. But he points out that ESG makes up thirty three percent of the fifty one point four trillion dollars of U.S. assets under professional management. And that's projected to grow to 50% by 2025. So if you look at a company like BlackRock, which is something like 10 trillion of that 51 million trillion, mm-hmm. if you look at BlackRock, that company makes money on the totality of their assets that they manage, not based on the investment performance of their assets. In other words, whether or not their holdings rise or fall, they they make money either way. For, for them. Fund. For yes, them, for yes, them. as a mutual fund, oh, right? I, I, and I get, and I get that, and that's certainly a challenge. But I would say this: that it isn't isn't one potential. And I think we're going to talk one of some of the things that he he uh, that Ram Swamy puts forward in his book as solutions. But isn't ultimately one one thing to say the market will 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 bear out in the in the long run if these ESG companies are not more profitable, people are not going to invest in them. <laughs> They're going right. to start to move their money elsewhere. I hope so, because the voices that are criticizing these things, like 
Ramaswamy mm-hmm. are are trying their best, and there's a lot of evidence that they have marshaled. But like he says, you get into these data wars, and depending on how you slice and cut the data, you know, you, you can make Apple look g- the greenest company in the world because none of it, none of the ESG stuff includes their supply chains. Mm-hmm. I mean, how far do we go with this stuff? I mean, even Baruch Lev, when we had him on, said, this is just crap. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, this isn't like Gap, you know, mm-hmm. where you have a debit and a credit and things have to balance. It's like, this is completely subjective. So, I, I and, and you know, we've talked about this before too, but if, if I have a retirement, or if I just have an investment portfolio and I put it into BlackRock, mm-hmm. well, Larry Fink now is my agent i'm the principal of blackrock and then blackrock turns around and invests in apple and all these other corporations you know all these esg corporations and now they're the shareholder Mm -hmm. right to the agents of the, the employees that work at apple and whatnot there's all sorts of conflicts with that yeah, wow. and it, it's well, you, it's 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 removed twice removed principal Dude. agent problem twice removed. Right, it's turtles all the way down. All the I mean, way down. It gets, <laughs> it, yeah, it gets it gets very convoluted. Um, yeah. Okay, the other thing I found really interesting, I really want your take on this, was his ideas for Section Two Thirty reform, and his 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 idea is pretty simple. He says he wants Congress to amend Section Two Thirty to read. Any company that benefits from Section 230 is bound by the standards of the First Amendment, meaning that if they engage in selective censorship of political viewpoints on their platforms, these companies should be treated as state actors and bound by the Constitution under existing legal doctrines. And then he spells those all out. This is all codified in law. No new laws would be required here. Mm-hmm. The courts have already done this in all of their, you know, free speech cases. This has been mm-hmm. settled law. He, and he says, in reality, what's happened is Congress has co-opted Silicon Valley to do through the back door what government cannot directly accomplish under the Constitution. Yeah, I, and I think I think I disagree with with his suggestion on, on this, mostly because if you, if you think about this again, it's a turtles all the way down problem. At what at what point? If if does the, does the platform get get to decide and choose? If if somebody makes a post on Facebook and then I comment on that, uh, that the per- person who initially made that comment um, or initially made the post can remove my comment. That's how Facebook works. So in other words, they become the the person who can who can shut me off. If 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 you're on somebody's Facebook page. Uh, I would would section 30 to to apply to individuals then you could just say well no you, you can't delete as post as comment on your post or a corporate facebook page if you've got a corporate facebook page can that cannot that corporation de- delete uh, a commenter that talks bad about them on their on their page you know this or and mention something political i mean there's 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 lots and lots of things here that i think are are there's too many layers to this to just remedy it with the simple solution of oh we'll just use the first amendment well i and again i can't speak for vivek right i i I think he would say this is drawing a distinction between the users of the platform Mm -hmm. like you censor you like deleting my comment because i'm right i'm an ass right um to facebook doing that like the clear case is the the biden laptop story that was suppressed by twitter 
mm-hmm. that that's the kind of thing he's talking about. If they do that, mm-hmm. then that's no different than the government trying to censor, and that's not allowed by the First Amendment. That's what he's saying. He's saying the platform. Now, he's not saying the platform can't remove you if I threaten, you know, another member on the platform or I out you or, you know, I do something vicious, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously there's the whole public safety and all of those standards are still in there. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to political speech, it's a free for all. Yeah. Where, where would where, where would we put you know Donald Trump's stuff on Twitter January 6th I mean I, th- I think you could make a case for either side of that I don't know I think he'd say it has to it has to run you can't suppress it even though that you could you could make I don't know if I agree with it but you could make a case for incitement and that he 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 flamed flame fl- or fanned the flames. Well, incitement, insurrection. Yeah, it's, that's it's, I know not, it's that's that's not what they're being charged with because that's a very that now. difficult right, legal right, challenge. Right, right, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But, this is, I think the point that we're making here, or actually you're making, and I'm just kind of riding along with you. No, that's fine. You know, is that the vac's making it. I'm not. He's making it. Is that, yeah. that well, that, that this, this, this stuff, it's, it's really hard. There's, there's so many facets to all of this stuff. And the simplification of it, when you just said, no, it, it, you have to, you're, you're there to maximize profits. That's what you're there to do. That gets back to the root of things and really can simplify it. And that's what he's, I think, ultimately wishing is that companies would get, will, will get back to that w- without the need for government intervention. Right, right. Yeah. The other thing he points out, Ed, which I think is really interesting, this is kind of a parenthetical side note, but he's, he talks about right to try laws. Because remember, this guy... He, he ran a pharmaceutical company. He bought all these drugs from big companies. Mm-hmm. He's got a big write-up in the uh, the uh, India's version of Forbes. He's, he's mm. on the cover. And it was from 2013. This is where he um, postponed his wedding to go ring the bell on Wall Street when his company went public. And uh, he, uh, he bought a bunch of these drugs that the big pharma, pharma companies gave up on. And he bought them for a song. Mm-hmm. One was Alzheimer's and bladder, act, uh, overactive bladder, um, you know, all, and he bought them for like, you know, like $3 million out of their mm-hmm. portfolio. Now he's got deals with them about, you know, if they take off, they get a royalty, they might get another fixed payment somewhere down the line. But he bought these drugs for a song because he thought they had promise. And um, so he's talking about right to try laws and he says there's no respectable respectable biotech company that actually makes its investigational therapies available to patients via right to try. He said, the reason the FDA hates right to try law. The FDA prefers the expanded access program, which Mm -hmm. is overseen by the FDA. (laughs) And he said, there's a rule of thumb in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, If you indulge in right to try, you do so at your own peril. There's an old adage. FDA never forgets. And so I think about this in terms of some of the things that are out there um, that the FDA, didn't they just squell, um, was it Regeneron? Some of yeah, the, the mitochondrial. Uh, yeah, yes. They they put the kibosh on those. Right. Yeah. So 
complicated stuff complicated stuff well ron we're up against our last break want to remind you that you can contest by sending that email to ask tsoe at verisage.com rate this podcast.com slash tsoe where you can guess what rate this podcast but right now a word from our sponsor and my employer sage Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Ron, let's take a minute and talk about our new sponsor, File, F-Y-L-E. We saw a demo of this thing, and it's really awesome. It really is. It allows complete flexibility. You can use any program to submit your expenses. I found that completely liberating. Yeah, and of course, it integrates with all of the accounting software out there. Yeah, and they really nailed their pricing. They use a flat pricing system, so you don't pay for all your employees, only the ones that actually file their expense reports. Yep, so check them out at FileHQ.com. That's F-Y-L-E-H-Q.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe to today please for the love of god make it stop have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul i absolutely have what if i told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast i'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh Oh My My Fraud. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're talking about woke inc and ed the probably the last topic we'll get to is his idea that this whole wokeism stuff is a religion and this is something you talked about, I think, last week um, on the show. Uh, this is McWhorter, John McWhorter's mm-hmm. uh, argument in, um, what's it called, Woke Racism, mm-hmm. yep. his new book. And he, he you know, uh, Vivek says, the church of diversity is as real as Christianity, Islam, or Hinduism, and its membership is growing every day. It has decided to begin punishing all the non-believers 
A democracy may thrive on dissent, but a theocracy can't tolerate it. The worst sin of all is not non-belief, but apostasy. And that's why you see this cancel and there's no redemption. We talked about mm -hmm. that last week. And he said, listen, he said, diversity of thought, that's already allowed. People speak for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They're not representative of their race. Just like you said, you know, these are my opinions, not mm -hmm. those of anybody else. Uh, so he's, he talks about the James Damore firing at Google. And we don't have to recount the, the specifics of all that, but he, he said there's three models of political beliefs in the workplace. There's the apolitical model, which is where you check your opinions at the door and shut the hell up. Mm -hmm. You know, this is IBM of the 1950s. Sure. Um, yep. He says there's the deliberative model where you encourage your employees to speak their minds. It's debate, any and all topics. You know, it's kind of like a faculty lounge. Mm -hmm. It's funny to me. Google and Facebook claim to fall into this category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's the orthodox. The employees are a self-selecting group that swear fealty to a set of principles, right? Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Hobby Lobby, you know, you're not going to get contraceptives in your health care plan. You know, that mm -hmm. either you, you either accept that or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. um, he says, James Damore's legal recourse um, against Google, he said, it should be, uh, the question is, from a legal question, is wokeness a religion? And he says, I'll prove wokeness is a religion from a legal perspective. And then he starts to lay it out. He said, the uh, EEOC forbids firing someone for their religion, right? Under their mm -hmm. interpretation, it's banned on religious discrimination, also prohibits employers from firing people over their lack of religion. Mm-hmm. Right. He said, so <clears throat> an employee, um, you know, say somebody, say, say, say some employee asserts that tr transgender women are actually men because the Quran says so. Um, it also, if, if she can't be fired for saying that, mm -hmm. then he said that also must be true that they can't fire somebody else for saying the same thing because her preferred brand of feminism says so. Nothing to do with religion, but her political beliefs. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think this is a really interesting point. He says that the question is not whether or not Damore was fired because of his beliefs, his religious or other beliefs, but whether or not he has recourse against Google for not buying into their religion. If in fact it is their religion. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Difficult thing to prove. That's going to be a difficult thing to prove, and I don't don't know that that I, I see what his point is there, and it's uh, it's an interesting legal argument. Don't know that it would actually fly. Well, he lays it out really well and gives you a lot of precedent for it. Mm -hmm. um, I found it pretty compelling. I, I never thought of it. Um, you know, I think that's an, that's a very interesting way. So the legal question is not whether Demore's beliefs were religious in nature; it's whether Google's were. Mm -hmm. And if Google's were, then you can't. Now, look, I don't know why any employee, especially these days, would want to hang around a company that is trying to fire them. You right. Know? But I mean, I've never been a big, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer at at will employment. All the way around. You know, yeah. All the way yeah. around. Absolutely. Um, 
probably the most controversial thing, and I know Kimberly Josephine brought this up when we talked to her about this book, but he, he's got an idea. He wants to mandate civic service for high school summer breaks. So essentially for four years, you would serve, you know, say it, it could be anything. It, it, we're not talking military here. It could be, you know, um, feeding the homeless or, or doing, you know, cleaning the park or whatever. But he, he cites FDR. John Kennedy and, and, of course, William Buckley wrote a book on this called Gratitude, this idea of some type of national service. He's, he cites Singapore. Singapore mandates two years in the military, police, or civil defense forces. And, you know, he thinks it would reduce intolerance and young people separating into tribes. That I'm not convinced about. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting argument. That, that somehow bringing people together when they're young like that is going to have an effect on on the long-term right. process. Because it'd be like a military unit, right, where you meet people from all different backgrounds, all different places, the South, whatever, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you gel as a group, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Isn't that what Little League does? That is what that sports does to a certain extent. And then, by the way, I'm not I'm not a big fan of mandatory service in anything. I'm <laughs> no, I'm against, not either. I'm not know. either. Uh, and uh, you know, at what my 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 kid plays summer baseball, and so to to your point, uh, on a, a pretty diverse team. You know, so what, sure, sure. Because to me, you know, that's it, just as good. It, 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 it may be right. better. Maybe better because it's not mandated. No, because but you know what they want is they want they want the best nine players out there. That's that's right, what they want right, to do. They want right. to put the best. The de- it's meritocracy. Mm-hmm. So this is how he sums up Ed, and I like this because it kind of gets to your earlier point of we don't want red and blue corporations, right? Like we've talked right. about. He, he here's Vivek, and I'm going to read this, but it's it's a bit long, but it's great. He said we'd we'd be strictly better off if companies and their customers ended the shared fiction that every capitalist transaction must also be part of some grand fight between good and evil. Whatever justice is, surely it can't be attained so incidentally by just picking the right shirts, the right burgers, and the right bankers. Corporations used to try and convince you that buying their stuff would make you cool. Now they tell you buying it will make you good. The difference is subtle but important. What's cool is entirely subjective, but what's good is not. Yeah, and that—that's that, ultimately the, the the point is, and I get that feeds back into the concept of is it a religion or not? Because once she's talking about good and evil, well, where, where are you going with that? You know, this this Paul Pullman guy who wrote the book Net Positive in his article, he says, Today, staff and customers believe you should embody the company's values and speak out on big touchstone issues from race to fake news and climate change. And this guy in National Review says, um, you know, you start to you start directing your purpose away from shareholder returns. And he said, that's a form of expro- uh, uh, expropriation. He said, to solve societal problems, private enterprise has already made a considerable contribution. This is another thing that bugs me. We how, how many billions of people is capitalism lifted out of poverty? Mm-hmm. And are they stakeholders? <laughs> I, I, you know, this is kind of crazy. Definitely challenging. So anyway uh what do we have next week ed you know what ron i was just looking that up i don't know what we have next week we i haven't ha- 
Well, we have Dr. Paul Thomas. Oh, Dr. Paul coming back. This is his fourth time. I know. It? Yes, is, he's going to. He's getting up there with Lappin. <laughs> Get the gold jacket ready. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. Also, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.